You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome into episode something of the Natural Hatrick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan. I'm supposed to say something right here, right? Do you remember what it was? Mm-hmm. Been too long. Well, we'll just move on to Jamie Eisner. Playoff. The Natty Hatty. Oh, that was a mistake <laughs> on my part. That's fine. I apologize. Yeah, having me on the show? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And introducing you. Let me see if I can turn the volume up on my uh, headphones. How about you guys? Right here. I'm Luke Lipinski, by the way. Jamie? No, never mind. Craig, how about you talk for a second? <laughs> okay, I'll talk for a second. Jamie, how are you doing? I'm doing great uh, as Luke tries to figure out how to work his microphone. Stuff that you really should do before the show. I mean, I feel like that's <laughs> what a professional would do, but that's okay. At least Luke doesn't have a career in uh, talking or radio or broadcasting or anything to be clear, of that nature. Too, it's not like this microphone is new or anything. It's the same one I've been no. using. Well, it did give me a chance to ask a question. You have a birthday upcoming, don't you, Jamie? I do. Is this 20, 28, 29? 28, third? yes. Okay. I get yeah. inching closer to 30 and my uh, life being over. 28. Wow. Thanks for that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, okay. I have to ask, when's the last time you got your haircut? And has the quarantine oh. impacted it at all? Luke, no, I think it's pretty clear that Jamie has not had his haircut. Yeah. <laughs> at I'm some sure point in his life, ever. he has, though. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's been a while. Like, I mean, I, I don't think it definitely hasn't been cut in 2020. You don't have Scott Hartnell hair, but you do have pretty solid hockey hair. I do. I do have the, I do have the flow going. So uh, I'm, I'm going to see how the hockey hair works for a little bit here. You should do this show with a helmet on because hockey hair <laughs> looks better when you have the helmet on. That way it kind of like, yeah. So it's like the shovel, especially if it's like the shell up in the front too, where like it's just, it's, you know, hanging out like the front part of the hair is hanging out with the front and yeah, it's great. Okay. Well, next week then. Um, you can send me, you can send me a hockey helmet. Yeah. I've got one here. I've got one like with, within. Somewhere else in that closet? It. Yeah, almost. Almost. Hey, this is a, an official recording closet of the Natural Hattrick podcast. Uh, gentlemen, we might, might, might have not even playoff, but play-in hockey coming here in the next month-ish, yeah. month or two. Um, let's go around the, uh, the virtual table here and start, first of all, with your optimism level that we're going to see a conclusion to this season. Well, for me, it's much higher than the last time we did the show. Um, I, I just think there, we, we can debate back and forth whether or not should, shouldn't, and what certain governments are doing certain places. But the reality is, is all of the momentum now, barring uh, an unforeseen turn, 
is that we're going to have sports played without fans here very shortly. Uh, it looks like the NBA is going to be picking up uh, in late July uh, in, from Disney World. It looks like the NHL is going to be picking up for this 2014 playoff format probably in July as well, maybe late June. We'll see how that uh, what they, they, that shakes out. looks like July 4th weekend could be the start of baseball season. So it's starting to look like the momentum is heading in this direction. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm cautious. Uh, but I'm excited to, I'm excited from a selfish standpoint because I would like to see sports being back, but I, I am cautious about all of the logistical hurdles that still need to be crossed and the potential unknowns that can still happen. A lot has changed in the last two months and a lot can change in the next two months. So, but I'm cautiously optimistic. I asked yeah. for a simple number and I got Jamie's life story. Craig? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I don't no feel number. like I have anything left to add other than my percentage in confidence. I, I would say I'm 95% confident that the NHL is coming back. Wow. Okay. Okay. COVID, COVID could mess this thing up. Uh, as we've just seen, you know, uh, Toronto has been floated as a host site. Uh, Ontario's case numbers are spiking, even though the testing is going down. That's a concern. We'll see if it's enough to steer the NHL in another direction. We'll see what happens in other markets. But I am almost certain that the NHL is going to do this because they seem determined to do this. Yeah, I, I, I sort of agree with both of you. I mean, to, the, to Jamie's point, if you had asked me a month ago, and I think we did talk about this, I was at like maybe 15%. I'm probably closer to about 80% now that they're at least going to come back. I mean, like you said, Craig, who knows if it actually works and you get through the whole playoffs or who knows what could happen. But in terms of them actually just coming back and, and trying to do this and us seeing actual games, I kind of think it's going to happen at this point. The 24 team, what are we calling this format? Because it's not a playoff format. So first, let's establish what the name is. Okay. Can I just say this? I don't care what the NHL is calling it. It's a playoff format. It is. These, these are playoff formats. Not all the teams are here, so it's not the regular season. You want to call it a play-in? Are they getting playoff share, those teams in the first round that lose? Of course they're getting a playoff share. Otherwise, they wouldn't come back. It's a playoff. Yeah, the only reason you wouldn't call the playoff is you're trying to, like, it, it just – it would be legally for some of those trades that we talked about, mm-hmm. which then becomes interesting of how that plays in. Does anybody now make it that is the 24 team make it in terms of like compensate, you know, with those picks that are going to playoff teams, do teams in this play in game go into the lottery if they lose in the first so. round? I don't I mean, think they so will, actually, so but. if they don't go into the lottery and they're playing, it looks like potentially seven games to determine who can go to the next round kind of sounds like a playoff to me. Yeah. Can you imagine if they did go in the lottery and Edmonton made the playoffs and got the number one overall pick too? I could imagine that actually with Edmonton. Yeah. <laughs> it really is like the next logical step for them. Yeah. Uh, I tweeted this out. Jamie responded. And Jamie, I don't remember exactly what your response was. But my thought is you can't, you can't put an asterisk next to this if you win the cup because you may have to win 19 or now it sounds like potentially 20 games if you yeah. started in the, in the, uh, the play-in round. Look, I, I, I'm so tired of the asterisks, people. What, whatever. If you win the cup, you win the cup. And if you have to win a, a, an NHL record five rounds to do it, God bless you. I mean, so, you know, it could be one of the teams that has a bye, so they have to go through the regular path. But I don't care. Everyone's in the same boat. If you win the cup, you win the cup. And nobody's going to care a couple of years down the road. I think this yeah. is almost harder. This is not like a strike-shortened season. Not to take anything away from the Blackhawks or the other teams that have won those, but, I mean, it's, it's, this is not like we played – it's not like we just started in the playoffs. They've basically played a full season. Now you have to take a three-month break in the middle of it and come back. I mean, to me, this is going to be the hardest Stanley Cup to win. Now, is it going to be cheapened if, like, Montreal wins the whole thing? Yeah. But if a team that is, like, a six seed or something, like, if – yeah, we've never seen that before. Oh, wait, LA Kings, 18. <laughs> the the I mean, only way this is going to get an asterisk or cheapened in the short term is if a team from 17 to 24 
wins the cup, which I don't think is going to happen. It's possible, but I don't think it's going to happen. But if, it, if it's ever going to happen, it's going to happen in this crazy format where everybody's been off for three months because I, I feel like you can, by and large, throw out the standings. It doesn't matter what happened. This is going to feel like the start of a regular season again where some teams can be hot early that maybe aren't the best teams in the league. It, I don't know what to expect right now. I think everything is wide open. Well, and it's also like starting like a new like NHL, you know, twenty game with injuries off. Jake Ensel might be back. Tarasenko yeah. might be back. Nazem Kadri might be back. Yeah. Seth Jones might be back. Like all of a sudden, like a lot of these, these are those are huge name players that, especially yep. in Gensel's case, was not expected to play at all this season. The rest of the season now could be a huge factor for Pittsburgh. Tarasenko was due back maybe in somewhere in the first round. Now can play the whole postseason, especially if, you know. So there are a lot of these factors that you look at and you go. That that changes the balance of power a little bit, you know. It, it, you don't know how fresh these guys. He, he, what do these guys True. look like after such a long layoff and not being able to train? I don't know. Yeah, but it's it's just another variable to consider in this mess. Does the fact that Minnesota would be in the playoffs dampen your enthusiasm for this format at all? Could they do a twenty three team always, format? Always, okay. always. What's um what sort of characteristics are you looking for? Because I, I I do sort of agree with Craig. Like, look, Tampa Bay, Boston, the truly great teams to me are still the teams to beat. But that three-month break, that's not nothing. And so I do think we're going to see, I don't know, by the time we get to the final eight teams, I think we're going to see two or three teams that are pretty big surprises in those final eight. I mean, we see that in in normal NHL playoff seasons anyway, but this is anything but normal. So I just, what sort of characteristics are you looking for for a team that is going to shock some people? Well, I mean, at least early on, and I've had a few people suggest this to me, uh, when you play like a a tight defensive-oriented system, that takes a lot more tweaking, a lot more practice time to get it down than it does to just play a wide open style. So early on, at least some of those teams that just have the talent, the skill and can play a wide open game, they might be in a good situation like Toronto Maple Leafs, for instance, like the Chicago Blackhawks. It might be an advantage to them early on while these other teams try to figure out. Now, when you look at the Coyotes series, you can make the argument that both of these teams play a similar style. So I don't know what's going to come out of that series, but some of those wide open teams may have an advantage. I think it, it's as, as simple as this, say, raw talent. Uh, yeah. I, I think because yeah. at this point, it's almost like you're starting a new season. You know, teams that are off to, let's say, a, a slower start, let's say like Florida, uh, that's a team that's got a ton of talent. They have a goaltender that they paid a lot of money that has won multiple Vesna trophies that had an absolutely brutal start to the season. If he all of a sudden just comes back and plays like Sergei Bobrovsky of old, all of a sudden that team now has great goaltending and it's got elite forward talent. It's got some depth on the, on the, on the, in the, on the blue line as a 10 seed in this tournament, all of a sudden that's, they, they could hang with some of those top teams. So I, I, that raw offensive talent and goaltending talent, I think is going to be what gives you this big advantage. And like Craig said, some of these teams that played a more system or defensive oriented style might be a step behind early. They might catch up by rounds two or three of this, but you know, if they play, let's say a five or seven game series in the first round, it might take a little bit for everybody to get their legs out from under them. So I'm going to default to the the raw offensive superstars to take advantage early on. Yeah, Florida is a team that really does jump out to me too. You look at all these teams that would have to play in that play-in round. They're a team that wouldn't be in the playoffs if the season had just played out and we had gone 82 games and they were still in the spot they're in. They would have missed the top eight in the Eastern Conference, but they're a supremely talented team and they really didn't get goaltending this season. So Jamie's right. I mean, they could come out right now. They would be slotted to play the Islanders if this is the exact format they go with and everything. And I mean, yeah, that's a team that could really go on a run. These other teams, like I'm sort of torn. I think goaltending could really 
could drag you through the first couple rounds, which would be a team like Florida or Montreal or the Coyotes or Nashville, actually, that, that maybe isn't a team that would go very far in the regular tournament, but goaltending could really could carry them a little bit early on while teams sort of get their legs back under them. But as far as these teams, like I go back and forth on this. I understand if you are a team that has a buy, if you're one of those top eight teams, you're kind of in a weird spot because you're going to be playing round robin games that seem at this point sort of meaningless other than just as tune-up games to me. Well, well they will, they could decide seating too. I mean, there's, there's a chance that a team could move up in that round robin. So they, okay. they aren't meaningless. And I do think that gives those teams a chance to, to play enough that they're not going to be cold facing a team that's already played a first round series. Well, and that's sort of where I was going. Like you, you look at those teams and yes, this, the, the weirdness of the world right now has leveled the playing field. But on the flip side, if this if these play-in rounds are best of seven too, do you really see any of these teams winning five best of seven series? Yeah, it's it's going to be a grueling run, and we're probably going to see injuries simply because well, we're going to see injuries anyway because it's the playoffs. But with this time off, I, yeah, the long layoff, I don't I don't know what to expect from the injury situation there either, and that's why we're going to have expanded rosters, which they have anyway at this time of year. But we might see a lot of those guys pressed into duty. I'm glad you brought up Florida because I've seen this suggestion that. The 24 team format is so much worse than the 20 team format. And I'm not sure where, how people are arriving at that. Florida's one point behind the Rangers. Um, they played one less game. So they're sitting in the 11 spot. How, how is it a travesty that Florida makes it? Uh, and it's not a travesty that the Rangers make it. I, I don't get that at all. The Coyotes were four points back in the other conference. They were actually playing pretty well when they had eight of their last 12 games at home. I don't, I don't really see that as a travesty either. If you want to make an argument that letting Montreal in is, is not a good look, fine. Maybe Chicago, which is only two points behind the Coyotes, by the way. But I, I don't think there's that big a difference between the 20 and 24 team format. The one thing I like about this format is every team that's in is at a 500 points percentage or better, and every team that's not is below that percentage. Yeah, it, it worked out. I don't want to say good because nothing's working out good for anybody right now, but as far as like if the NHL was going to have to go to a 2014 playoff format once, it, yeah. it is, it's very convenient for them that all these teams, like you just said, Craig, are 500 or better. And look, if Montreal or Chicago goes on a run and wins the Stanley Cup, okay, then that's going to be kind of strange. But I tell you what, that first-round matchup between Chicago and Edmonton, yeah. That might be the must most entertaining of all of them. Yeah, that's that must-see TV. Right? Yeah, absolutely agree. Any of these other matchups, and I don't want to go – I mean, we can if you guys want to go in-depth on any of these, but we don't know for sure this is what they're going to be. But just looking at the eight potential play-in matchups, other than Coyotes-Predators, that obviously is going to stand out to us here in a big way. But of those other seven, do any of them truly jump out at you? I like Hurricanes Rangers a lot. I think that's going to be an extremely interesting series. Artemi Panarin was on fire the back half. I mean, he was good the first half of the season, and he was unbelievable the back half of the year. Uh, Rangers getting a little bit healthier. You know, Carolina's had some some a little bit of success lately. I think that's a really interesting series to me because I think that could also be pretty wide open. Because uh, a lot of these are going to be like, I mean, Island, Islanders, Florida's it could be interesting, but they're clashing of styles. Uh, Vancouver, as 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 we said before, uh, Vancouver, Minnesota's unwatchable. Uh, so that, that's, that's the CNBC series. That might be like the CNBC plus series. Like you can only watch it online. If you have like a special passcode, if that's uh, the first series that they show, like if that's the first game, we've all been waiting for hockey for three months and we're coming back with playoffs and they show Vancouver, Minnesota. Are you going, are you maybe like taking a drive before you watch the second game instead? Yeah, probably. And one other one, it's not even so much on the ice, but the idea of just the potential chaos of John Tortorella 
and the Blue Jackets against Toronto. Toronto falls behind in that series against the Blue Jackets team that lost all of their almost all of their star players. And Tortorella has had an amazing season uh, coaching up that roster. That could be really, really fun. Yeah, I still I, I, want. I still want to see Calgary Edmonton, which we're not. We wouldn't see for a couple of rounds, but we we got sort of robbed of that because that was going to be a first round matchup, probably under normal circumstances. Yeah, it's hard to even figure out what's going to happen in the second round with those uh, top four teams uh, having the ability to jockey position a little bit. So, but I think that adds a little bit of an excitement too. And there's there's of course this movement to reseed each round. I've always believed in that. I hope they do that. Uh, maybe that'll yes. be something they'll use going forward. Yeah. Yeah, those are going to be my two questions here before we moved on to awards and listener questions. As far as reseeding, if they're going to do that, it would just would it be through the entire tournament or just in the the first official round of the playoffs? TBD, but there's talk of doing it in the entire tournament. And then, and, and maybe none of us knows this. I'm sure Jamie does not. But Craig, is it's possible you know um, what sort of timeline we're looking at to when we would know if they're going to try to move forward with this? With the whole thing, I mean, I would. Uh, what I've heard is that camps would start in mid to late June. Okay. And then we'd have games in July, August, probably even early September. And they would have to, I guess, make that decision within the next two weeks, probably. Yeah, right? they're going to have to make it soon. Yeah. And then we'll, what I'm also hearing, and I think everybody's sort of figured this out by now, that the, the draft is probably going to be in September and then free agency would start. And then we'd have a weird off season in the fall. We're used to weird off seasons here. So well, that's true. Everything's weird here. <laughs> Coyotes fans are, are already prepared for this. Uh, anything else on the playoffs before we move on to our regular season awards? Are, are we calling them playoffs now? Are you on board with that? Yes. It's, yeah, it, I'm too. looking at a bracket. That's, those are right. playoffs. Yeah, it's a, a seeded bracket with a series of games. Like I, if it was a one-game play-in, like, okay, I can maybe understand that. But you're playing a whole freaking series. Like, yeah. I don't know what, what more you want. It's if you had, if it was just like the nine seed playing the eight seed in a best of one, then yeah, I would say that's a play-in game. But there, you're talking about teams like I understand people look and they're like, oh, they were the eleven seed in the East or whatever. But these other teams like Calgary, Edmonton, uh, the Penguins, Toronto, like these were teams that were definitely playoff teams and yeah. legitimate cup contenders. So to tell me that if Calgary loses to Winnipeg in the first round or whatever, that they weren't a playoff team this year, I don't buy that at all. Yeah. yeah, and look, it, it would be very NHL-like to complicate the heck out of this for no reason. Just call it the playoffs. This is very simple. Like, there's – you legitimately have a chance – I mean, baseball's probably going to beat them back, but you have a legitimate chance of being the second major sports league in, in North America back, uh, with all due respect to, to NASCAR and everything else. But uh, it, don't complicate this. It's a playoff. Call it the Stanley Cup playoffs from day one. It, it, it's a weird circumstance. Like, why, there's no precedent for this. So, just roll. At this point, just roll with it. Do you think baseball is going to beat them back? It seems like they're yes. arguing like this is a CBA that they just decided this is a wonderful time to try and make more money. Uh, as I've kind of seen, uh, the players usually end up getting screwed in the end, and there are more players that have more to lose at lower income than the higher players that are complaining about it. So they'll get something done. Do you think the rising will be back by then? Oh boy. No comment. Craig, Craig's just putting that catnip out there. Direct all your comments to... Uh, That's Craig S. Morgan on Twitter, uh, country music star. <laughs> He's going to play right, us a baby. song later on. Uh, we'll talk about that, actually. I got a question about that. So, How often do you get those questions? Is that just in this format? No, they, they come way too often. Well, I mean, when they're directed to my actual Twitter account, yes. All, of, all of course, in, uh, believe, in the belief that I am, in fact, that country singer, which I am not. But. Well, if you stop walking around town with your acoustic guitar, maybe you could yeah. cut off some of the I, I am I am milking it a little bit, I admit. Uh, two more questions for you. 
Do you think no. there's additional value for the NHL if they are one of the... I, I know, Jamie, you're saying baseball is going to be the first league back, but I almost feel like the NBA is kind of waiting to see somebody else come back, and then the NBA is going to come back like a week later just because they were the, the, the league that got burned right when this all started. But well, if, if the NHL has the entire sports audience to themselves for two weeks, that benefits them more than it would benefit baseball or basketball. Sure, but uh, I think the NBA is going to be first to announce officially their return date. Um, and then I think others will start to follow from there, but they're not coming back till probably late July. Uh, I just I, Baseball has been focused on that July 4th weekend for some time now. Uh, and they still have a lot of logistics to work with, just like all these leagues. And it looks like the NBA is kind of figuring out their hub city, but the major league baseball kind of has to figure that out too. When we heard about that Arizona proposal way back when, but that's not where it's going to end up being barring some major change overnight, but there would be a lot of value in that because we saw how people have, at least from a, let's say a betting perspective and a viewership perspective flocked to the UFC fights last or it's two weeks ago now when they had three cards in, in eight days. Uh, so I think there would be a lot of benefit for the angel for doing that, but I just don't think they're going to beat baseball back barring a setback. Yeah. And it's, you mentioned the NBA date. One of the things that I think people need to understand about these schedules is that the NBA schedule is far more flexible than the NHL's is because the rights holder for the NHL is NBC and NBC has the Olympics next summer. So the NHL needs to wrap up its playoffs before the Olympics start next summer. So they're on a tighter window. Do you care at all? about the optics of fans not being at these games to me i think sure. it's the most noticeable in hockey i I, not, I don't care at all really with baseball but it's going to be fascinating it's going to be weird it's going to be fascinating so uh i know I, I, i'm a fan of we talked about this on the show but i'm a fan of professional wrestling and they've been running for really dumb reasons but they've been running shows for a couple months now with no fans it's unwatchable now, I know it's a different format. You're talking about more of a performance versus you know, an athletic competition. But I, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't know. I'm curious what the average fan has to say because we've all been at practice. And that's kind of what it's going to feel like where you're kind of sitting in that empty arena. You're hearing the, the skates. You're hearing the click of every shot. Uh, you know, that kind of a thing. You're hearing the conversation. I don't know if the television audience is going to be that much impacted by it in the NHL. It's clearly, I would say it's worse than what baseball. I think baseball is going to be the least impacted. I remember yeah. watching that, uh, that game in Baltimore a few years ago because of a protest where they played without fans. It was a little weird, uh, but it's also like, you know, it's also not, you know, it's not the sport that you, you have a ton of fan participation in. Uh, you know, football, will be, they're all going to be a little weird. I don't know if it's going to impact it. I imagine if we went right from what the season was too fanless, it would have a big impact. But considering that we're coming from having no sports for the last few months, I think it's going to, I think it's something that where everybody's just going to kind of accept as a, a necessary evil just to get sports back. Yeah. How do you feel about uh, piped in uh, crowd noise in arenas or, or virtual fans sitting in seats? Maybe you could pay I, to, to be there in your own seat. Well, there's been, right. so, there's, there have been some leagues that have had some issues with the types of dolls um, they were using to, to fill those seats. Uh, <laughs> the pumped-in crowd noise is, gonna, is interesting because for those of you that play sports video games, you kind of know what that sounds like because it, it, they use a very similar audio files for those. Um, and a lot of times if you watch golf, they'll pump in you know, some crowd noise, some bird noises, all that other stuff. I think that would be interesting. I think that would be... I think that's probably a better alternative than just silence. I think they have I mean, to. I mean, I don't know really, the announcers, but 
I, I think so. Uh, and it, it I think it's okay. cheesy though. It, I mean, you have to be really careful here. If it ends up being like a laugh track or something, like if it does, exactly. if it sounds weird, that's not, it has make to sense. stay at the same level. You, you can't like, I don't, I don't, I, I think you, you delve into corniness. If you start doing like, okay, here's the cheer track for goals. And here, I think you have to just kind of create almost white noise background and kind of keep it at that level the entire time and allow the player responses and like the goal horns in the arena and the announcers to bring that atmosphere up or down, depending on the situation. I don't mm-hmm. think you can have somebody in the truck that's deciding, you know, when we're going to get massive cheers or boos or anything, then, then it's just, it's going to be so corny. And quite frankly, the NHL does a lot of corny things at times. I don't yeah, trust and, and the players might think it's corny anyway if they pipe it in. I, I don't know how they're going to react to this. This is, I would hate to be the one deciding how to do this, how to create atmosphere in an empty building. Well, this this is why it's going to be weird. I mean, I think we're all on board with this is the safest way to do it with no fans. So that's the way you yeah, have yeah. to do it. But I mean, how many times have you been watching a playoff game and maybe you, I don't know, you're doing something around the house or whatever, but you can hear Doc Emmerich. You can just hear by the tone of his voice that it's a good scoring chance and you have to turn back to the TV quickly. Or you can just hear from the crowd that this is, you know, they're in the offensive zone. It sounds like a power play. They just missed an empty net or whatever. Like you can hear if you watch a lot of hockey, you don't even necessarily, and maybe I shouldn't say this considering my profession, you don't need the announcers when it comes to the playoffs sometimes, just in terms of knowing when there's an actual scoring chance. And so that's why I think in hockey, and I don't know if it's just because I'm so much closer to this game than the other sports, why I think it's going to be the most noticeable because we're jumping right in in the playoffs. And to me, you can you can listen to a playoff game and almost get as as vivid of a picture painted of the game than you can by watching it. So that's going to be weird because the crowd is a huge part of that. Yeah, a big element is going to be missing. There's no doubt about that. It's just, it's something you're just going to, we're all just going to have to kind of deal with uh, if yeah. we want sports back in a timeline before 2021. It's just something we're just going to have to deal with. But uh, it is a big element. And I think it's going to illustrate how big of an element it is because I think you kind of forget about it when you don't, we have, we never have these types of things. Like I said, they had that one baseball game, at least in the States. You know, you had a one baseball game a few years ago with no fans, but it's just not something we're used to seeing. And, uh, it, it is part of the atmosphere. It, it's almost, it's not even the, necessarily the cheers or the booze, but it's almost you can hear emotion. You can hear how tense a crowd gets when they're down a goal in the final minute right. at home when they're they're about like you can you that that tension comes through the screen. You're not going to be able to replicate that. No, uh, but and it, it impacts is, teams yeah. too, right? It impacts yeah. teams too. So I'm fascinated how that variable is going to impact play, how the layoffs going to impact play, how healthy rosters are going to impact play, and then. The idea that nobody has home ice advantage with the yeah, exactly. possible exception of the team that the host site without fans. It's, yeah. There's so much to think about here. And yeah. whoever parades the Stanley Cup around an empty arena, that's going to be weird. <laughs> yes, that's really going to be weird. Because yeah. we, we've seen in the past, I mean, a lot of times a team will win on the road and you're parading the cup around and what, maybe 10% of the crowd is happy for you that you won. But typically depending what city you're in, that crowd sticks around because you're getting to watch the Stanley Cup get paraded around right. the ice. So there's still noise and there's still, like like James said, there's still emotion in the building. That's going to be weird this year. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get to the awards. Everyone won't get booed, though. <laughs> he will somehow. They may still, yeah, they may still have a track for that. Yeah, Goodell already did that shtick. Yeah, Goodell didn't, and he somehow didn't execute it at all. That doesn't shock me at all. It really shouldn't shock me either since it was Roger Goodell. All right, let's uh, let's do some of the uh, regular season awards since we know that the regular season is officially over. And where do you guys want to start? You pick, Luke. Let's start with the Norris because I think this one was won uh, somewhere around mid-November. So let's just get this one out of the way. Do we all want to say the same name on the count of three? I don't know. 
two. Were you going to say Nate Schmidt? No. Yep. Nate Schmidt. <laughs> One, two, three. Nate Schmidt. Oh, you guys were right, it. John Carlson, right? Run away with this. Uh, no, I voted for Roman Yossi. Yeah. Did I, you really? Yeah, I, yes, I did. Yeah. Wow. What happened to John Carlson? Nothing. I just, in, in a deep dive, I thought uh, Roman Yossi's numbers were more impressive. Yossi was right there, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Those are the I'm clear still, top two. I, I, yeah, Carlson was second for me, and Hedman was third. Yeah, I, I go, I go, I went back and forth on that because Carlson to me was felt like the runaway at, at the midway point of the regular season. But I mean, the minutes Roman Yossi plays, the the, the type of the minutes he's been thrown into, and have success both ways. Yep, it's so it's so close. I I would go with Yossi as well, but I can't argue with Carlson. I think those two. I think there's a small gap between them and Hedman, which is always. I mean, Hedman's always like top three. Yeah, Hedman's just got like, he's like an all-time finalist as far as I'm concerned yeah. until his play drops off. I have nothing against Roman Yossi. I think he's been underrated for a lot of his career and there's nothing wrong with giving him the win. But if John Carlson doesn't win the Norris this year, and I'm not, this shouldn't be why you choose him or don't choose him, but I mean, he's had an amazing season. And I, you right. know how I feel about the Capitals, but if John Carlson's not going to win the Norris this year, he's never going to win the Norris. Um, let's go with the Calder Trophy. Well, defense, defensemen uh, dominate this one too. I'm still going with Kale McCarr here. Um, I know there was a late push for Quinn Hughes, but Kale McCarr was better at even strength, uh, had more points per game, uh, was the second best player on his team for long stretches because of Mikko Randon missing a lot of time uh, on an elite on a, on a team that played at elite level. As hard as that is for me to say, uh, they're in the playoffs no matter what. Team. They are so, the, and. Uh, they are. They are, no matter what. So, uh, to me, he still gets it. I know there was a, a lot of push, particularly north of the border, to get Quinn Hughes this award late in the season. And he had a really, really good year. He came on later in the year, but Kale McCarr was more consistent across the board before getting hurt. Yeah, and don't, those are my top two as well, with Kale McCarr winning it. But Mackenzie Blackwood, I, goalies always get ignored in this, and it, it really bugs me. With what he had to do on that team, he put up really good numbers. He, Mackenzie Blackwood probably deserves consideration to win this award, but... He's got to be in the top three, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I have the same top three. I just and Makar was so Makar is just so instrumental in his team being as good as they are. Quinn Hughes was too, certainly for Vancouver. But I, I don't know how you can go against uh, Kale Makar on this one. Uh, okay, Vezina. I, this one, this one was interesting for me. Craig, let's start with you. I am going with Connor Hellebuck, and again, that's that's goalie stats are they're troubling. There's not a lot of great goalie stats out there, even in even the advanced stats, but with what we have to judge and, and the, the amount of games he played, the workload that he had, and still put up elite numbers, he is my choice. This one was yeah. tough for me. I, I saw Hellebuck was the runaway winner in, in the, the, the athletic uh, writer's poll, but <laughs> what was that? that wasn't even a whisper. That was like a gas. Athletic. <laughs> um, I, I, I get it. I get why he, he I saw way more shot volume than any of these other goaltenders we're talking about, played more games, had all that. But I, I have a hard time ignoring the season two Rask had. I know he's got, a, he's got a much better blue line in front of him, but he played a ton of games as well. Uh, I think he would get my vote, but I, I think this is a two-horse race. I think there's a massive gap after Rask and Helovic to get down to whether it's Vasilevsky or Bishop or any of those other guys that we were talking about. But I still give my vote to Rask. Um, I know he has b- the better, more traditional stats. Uh, I, I know volume matters, but it's not like Rask didn't play a high volume of games. Not quite to the level of Helovic, but uh, this is one of the classic ones where if this was most valuable, I go with Helovic in a landslide. If this is most outstanding, I go with Tuka Rask, which is where I'm going yeah. with this award. I really wanted to go with Hellebuck because he's the reason 
really that the Jets were as close to a playoff spot, or in this case, I guess they would be the nine seed in the Western Conference and get in. Uh, he's he's the main reason. But it's just it's hard to argue with Rask with the season the Bruins had, and they were so great early in the season too. You almost forget about it. But I I think I have to go Rask. But you guys are right. It's it's definitely a two goalie race, and there really isn't even a third one that stands out to me. Kemper may have been the third if he had played more. Yeah, um, I think he would have been. Mm-hmm. But but I think in in this case it's it's definitely one of those two. I don't think you can go wrong with either one of them. But I, I will probably lean Rask in this case. Uh, GM of the year. I'm saying Joe Sackick. Okay, yeah, it, it, he's 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 number two on my list. But I and I ended up going with Kenny Holland because what what he did with Edmonton and and it not only was was it a tough situation that he stepped into with. Uh, you know, where they'd been in the past, but they were in a tough cap situation too. They didn't have a lot of flexibility. First of all, he hired Dave Tippett. Yeah. So that's a big move right there. But then to fill in the pieces around him, to get James Neal, to be able to trade Milan Lucic, find a team that was going to take him. <laughs> that's, that's amazing to me in and of itself. And of course, Neal was having a very productive season. He was clearly going over 20 goals. He, he missed a bunch of games with a, I think it was an ankle injury, but he was still going to score a lot of goals this season. I think Kenny Holland's done a terrific job. Sackick has too, but those would be my top two guys. It is uh, tough to those two those two points on Holland to be able to bring in Dave Dave Tippett, who I attribute a lot of the Oilers' success to. And then, yeah, you're right to be able to get rid of Lucic and also get something back of value in James Neal. He's got to be right there on the short list. Uh, I, I went with Jeff Gordon on mine. I thought he, the really strong offseason he had. Really, you say that with a New York accent. Jeff Gordon. There you go. He brought he brought in Truba. And he brought in that Capo Caco. Wouldn't it be Fox? Fruber? No, but I mean, really, I mean, look, you bring in, uh, you bring in Terry Panarin, uh, who's an MVP candidate. You bring in Jacob Truba, you sign Adam Fox. I mean, I thought he had a really, really strong offseason. I know they had some struggles at points in the year, but now they're technically a playoff team. So, uh, but it, it's, it's close to me. I know, uh, I don't know, but to me, I thought Jeff Gordon, especially if we start to look at this in a little bit bigger window that I always, you know, we're not supposed to always sort of do. Uh, when we talk about GM of the year award, uh, he would get my vote this year. But That's I don't the think thing. there's a real runaway. I think Gordon wins next year because I think that, it, and it's it's not it's not right, but a lot of what he did this season is going to get attributed to the Rangers' success next year because I think the Rangers are going to have success next year. He's been outstanding really ever since he took over there and, and some of the deals he's been able to make. Like, yeah, going out and signing Artemi Panarin, well, he has the advantage of being the GM in New York and, and the GM of the Rangers, not the Islanders. But some of the moves he's made have been really, really just savvy moves. And you can see that that team turning around a lot faster than you should be able to turn around uh, in the NHL. And but tr- uh, to, to, to that point, quickly, before we get off that, I, I know that it sounds nice, but what's the last big free agent the Rangers signed? Brad Richards? Like, I mean, it, it's, it, it's not quite – it's not – you know what I mean? Like, it's not quite – they're not the Yankees. You know, that, that's true, but they wouldn't have been able to get Panarin if they weren't the Rangers. Just sure. I mean, he was, he look, was so big, big city. Yeah. yeah, big city. You know, that was a big Chicago league. was a big city, that. too. It's, it's weird how I didn't. Thanks for uh, that. That's rude. I don't no. even have my bell. <laughs> Craig is playing shorthanded. Uh, do you want to do the Selkie here? I'm trying to avoid the heart, although it's the easiest one to pick, but uh, Selkie? Yeah, I get. I don't want to get too deep in this one because I don't think people understand a lot of the, the metrics that go toward deciding this. But as I told Jamie this off the air, uh, I just can't bring myself to vote for a winger in this because I know that the responsibilities of a center are so much greater in the defensive zone. But I did. I ended up going with a guy who probably deserved some attention before now in Sean Couturier. Yeah, 
love Sean yeah. Couturier. I have Couturier, Couturier too, but um, and that pains me as a flyer. But uh, Mark Stone is he a finalist for you? No, no. I, I have to do more research. But uh, Bergeron is like again, he is he gets the honor, he gets the Victor Hedman treatment as just the honor. He gets to be in the top three. Um, there was a lot of momentum, and I, I have to go back. I'm not going to pretend I, I watched Sorelli that closely this year. Uh, I know he was second in the athletic poll. I have to go back and d- dive deeper into him. But uh, I as I said, Bergeron to, ahead of Sorelli. Yeah, as I said to Craig before the show, if Marion Hosa can't win a Selkie, then no winger deserves to ever win a Selkie. Couturier, though, is is he's just so effective at shutting down the other team's best player. And, and I say this having seen firsthand, he's one of the few guys in the league. Like to me, there are two guys that can stop Evgeny Malkin. One is Malkin and one is Couturier. And when, when, the, when the Penguins play the Flyers, it's pretty consistent. Couturier either plays him just really tight or gets under his skin. And he's just, he plays with that edge that he doesn't typically cross that line. I don't know. He's, he could win it this year and he could win a few of these now. Yeah, yeah, I agree because yeah. he'll get the he'll get the uh, attention once you're in there. Um, not we shouldn't ignore Ryan O'Reilly either. I, I don't know that his season this season is quite as good as it was last season, but he's. He, I, I'm a big fan of where he is in his career now. He's a terrific two way player. Yeah, him and Bergeron are two guys. Whenever you start researching Selkie, those are the first two names you start with, and then you start researching other players. O'Reilly, I mean, this isn't breaking news. He obviously was a big part of winning the Stanley Cup last year. We talk about a guy that completely, I don't want to say revived his career, but really rejuvenated it because you remember how awkward it was when he was in Colorado and then left and then goes to Buffalo and all the stuff that came along with that. And all of a sudden now he's winning Stanley Cups and he's one of the the premier Selkie candidates each year. And he's going to be that way now for a while. Yeah. Jack Adams, this one was tough for me. I I went with Elaine Vigneault. Yeah, and I'm not doing this just to torture you. I, part part of that is weighing into this, I admit. But Philadelphia is Philadelphia's sitting sixth overall in the NHL at 89 points right now. They were on fire at the pause, 9-1 in their past 10 games. I, I, I mean, Dave Tippett's in this conversation. John Tortorella's in this conversation, but he's my choice. Yeah, to me, it's Tortorella. Um, I, I mean, I, I like the Levin Yon season he had, but I think he has a significantly more talented team than what John Tortorella has been coaching. Um, given the not just the losses, but the just the highly publicized amount of losses uh, and the biggest names that they've lost off that Columbus Blue Jackets team to be in playoff consideration, basically being there all season. It's not like they got hot for one stretch and then that, that's been carrying them. They've been in that conversation all year. It's been absolutely remarkable for me. This has to be the most wide-open award this year. Um... I wanted to go with Sullivan. I mean, the Penguins are three points behind Philadelphia, and they were missing pretty much their entire team for the majority of the year. As per usual. And, and to me, I mean, if I'm starting a team, he's he's one of two or three coaches I want to build my team around. But And it's funny because I haven't seen Dave Tippett's name on a lot of finalist lists. But That's crazy to me. Just to me, it's to Tippett. Me. To me, it's Tippett. And, and I know it's you can look at that and you can say, okay, yeah, he's got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but the thing is we all know what Edmonton's been the last few years with they those guys. Better. Remember, because this is going to lead us into our next conversation, but remember when Dave Tippett was not able to coach young players and that stupid BS Or narrative? offensive players, yeah. Yeah. Well, guess what happened? They had better seasons. Better. We saw we saw t- tweets and we saw different like stories out there when they hired Dave Tippett. People in Edmonton, fans and writers, clamoring for Craig McTavish if they were going to just go out and get a guy like Dave Tippett who was going to stifle Connor McDavid's offense. Like, if you don't appreciate what you have, you should have to go root for Detroit. 
Just people that just people that weren't that just don't pay attention. They yeah. just don't. Okay. They don't pay attention. Coaches well, well, coach <laughs> to the players they have. They coach to the personnel they have. It's Who was simple. the best offensive player the Coyotes had under Dave right. Tippett? Ray Whitney. Oh, look, look at the center position. Who was the best center I, I that day? Yeah. Who was the best center that day? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, crazy. We, like, wow. Like it, 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 Think it's, about it's, that. It's just, it's like, I don't understand. Like, so these other coaches keep picking Dave Tippett to coach uh, like Team Canada and all these young superstars and to a lot of success. And I think it, it just, it's, it's just completely blows my mind that people take what is pretty widely considered a really good coach and think that, oh, okay, what if you give that really good coach really good players, it's not going to work. What? <laughs> what? I take it back. They shouldn't even have to go become Red Wings fans because I do think at some point Detroit will turn it around. They should have to become Sabres fans because they won't ever turn it around. Hart Trophy. Let's uh, let's try and give finalists here because I think we all have the same winner. We probably do. And Jamie can just show off his bicep tattoo of Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, you've already uh, given it away now, haven't you? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, Le- it's Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah, it's uh, Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, he just what a phenomenal season he had. He continued to put up numbers even in that very brief stretch where Connor McDavid was out. Uh, just truly a, a player that has ascended, and, and I'm really excited to see him in the postseason because if you remember, it's very short sample size. I, I get it, but if you remember, and again, Connor McDavid's still the best player in the world. All the, all the caveats I have to throw out there so people don't think this is a hot take. But if you remember the last time the Oilers were in the postseason, Connor McDavid was not their best player in that first round series. It was Leon Dreisaitl. So I'm very interested to see if that carries over into this mm. version of the postseason. But uh, oh, what a phenomenal year for him. You Go love ahead, Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, well, I, I mean, he was on pace Let's for 127 up. points. No, there, there is nothing to, to not love. That was a lot of negatives. He's, what, a top, not just this year. I mean, if we're saying he's the MVP, then I guess in a way we're saying he, he was the best player this season. But going forward into next year, if they were going to put a list out of the top 100 players in the NHL, he has to be top five. Yeah. No question. Yeah, absolutely. And this year didn't come out of nowhere. I guess that's my bigger point. And, and you know, he's Jamie just said it. He, he's, he's been great every year. He really is. He, I mean, if he's transcended this year, but he's been great the other years. Yeah. He is basically the Oilers version. If, if McDavid is the Oilers Crosby, Dreisaitl is the Oilers Malkin. And we're seeing them really enter their prime. And now they have a coach and, you know, to Craig's point, a GM that is competent now as well, where, I don't know if the Oilers are going to win a cup, but they are a dangerous team and are going to be a dangerous team as long as those two and Dave Tippett are there. So my question to you guys, who do you have two and three? Is Connor McDavid even in your top three? Uh, he's either three or four. Uh, I've kind of, I have Nate McKinnon as my, my number two. Uh, so do I. I. I don't think I have to continue to profess my love for Nate McKinnon and everything he does, considering, especially considering all the injuries around him that happened. In this, especially to me. Where's he from? Where, yeah, where's he from? Where's he from? He's from Cole Harbor. Uh, <laughs> Three is, is tough for me because I, I think that like three, nobody's going to have who I have third, but go ahead. I know you're going to have, you, you have Ovechkin or something that like can go off the wall. I, probably, I, I think it's probably a penguin. It's not Panarin's in the conversation. Uh, <laughs> McDavid's in the conversation. Uh, I think Pasternak's got to be in that conversation. It's just, it, it, it's, it's tough for me to go with my, my third. I think I'm, uh, I, I mean, I know that I, I think I might still go with McDavid there. But I, 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 just, I can't bring myself to I, as great as Artemi Panarin played this year, particularly in life. I have, still have a real I, – I expect so much more to get a wing in this category. I really do. A full-time yeah. wing, I should say. So do we all have Dreisaitl and, and McKinnon as one-two? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then, Jamie, you, you, I don't know who your answer was. McDavid. Or you named half the league. Okay. 
Uh, I have Pasternak. I know the pushback is he's on a great team. I mean, he was on pace for well over 50 goals. He's got as many points as Panera, and he's got two less than McDavid. His 48 goals are tied with Ovechkin. We, I, I feel like he is among the, the really, really good players in this league, the one that kind of gets just taken for granted the most, probably because he's on a Boston team that is really good and people are sick of Boston sports teams winning in general. But again, it sort of goes back to my John Carlson argument, and I actually feel even stronger about this one. If Pasternak's not even a finalist for the MVP after the season he just had, he's never going to be. It, it doesn't matter what he does, unless he has the season that Dreisaitl has and is going to put up 130 points next year. I don't know what more he can do. I mean, I know it's crazy to make this strong of a case for a guy that's going to finish third, and I don't think he should finish second or first. But to me, he's, he's third on my ballot. I still went with Panarin third. I'm amazed at what he did with the Rangers. I thought he was just a wondrous player both ways, which really surprised yeah. me. He was a, a good two-way player this year. And when you talk about expecting a wing to do so much more, Patrick Kane won the MVP with 106 points in 82 games played. Artemi Panarin's what, 95 right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was probably yeah. headed to that, that same area or maybe more points. I, 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 don't have an, I don't have an argument against him, to be honest. I, I don't think there's a reason he shouldn't be here. I don't. Yeah, I imagine have both those guys on the same team. <laughs> I genuinely oh, don't remember. But, but what was Kane up against that year? Do you know? Because to me, this was a pretty strong it. year for for the MVP race. So that is, I don't know. I mean, that's that's why it's maybe a little bit tougher for a winger to get in there. I guess while Jamie's looking, Craig, where do you have Brandon Sod on your ballot? Is he top one hundred eighty or no? Who? Yeah, exactly. Okay, <laughs> that that uh, that, was, that was a good move by them. Um, but either way, I mean, a great season. We're not even mentioning guys like Austin Matthews and Patrick Kane and Nikita Kucherov, who, by the way, was amazing last year during the regular season and had a pretty good regular season this year, too, and he doesn't even get mentioned. Yeah. Because we can, uh, we can so, mention Austin Matthews in the uh, Rocket Richard race. I know we didn't talk about that award, but it's a shame. This, this was going to be an incredible race down to the wire. Ovechkin had 48 goals in 68 games. Pasternak had 48 and 70, and Austin Matthews had 47 and 70. This was a terrific race to watch. Who do you think would have won? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't Matthews know. was really hot. He was really hot. Drysdale stayed healthy. Four back too of, of Matthews. I think Ovechkin. I think Ovechkin would have had five goals in the last two games if he had to. I, I still think Ovechkin <laughs> would have won. So here's the Patrick Kane MVP year uh, in the 15-16. He had 106 points. Uh, Sidney Crosby came in in second with 85. And Jamie Ben, remember him, uh, with eighty nine in third. Yeah. So there was a. So we're, we're talking at that point disparity. Yeah, we're talking uh, seventeen points between him and the next closest player. And he also led. He was also the number two goal scorer, scorer I believe, that year, only behind. Oh, guess who? Hovechkin. I, yeah, I, I mean, just love how Artemi Panarin lifted up the Rangers this year. I, I really do think he played a major role in that. That's the oh, thing. Can, how, can we in, talk in a about how year Panarin could have made a push? Let's talk about how Yarmo Yager finished seventh that year at 43. <laughs> That's crazy. In the we were going we to have 500-point players this year, almost certainly. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And maybe cry from the, uh, the Jamie Benn, what, 87-point year from that, a few years back. What happened that year? And we were going to have at least three 50-goal scorers, maybe four. I doubt Zabenejad would have gone on a huge tear and scored nine in the last couple of weeks. But we were going to have at least three 50-goal scorers, too. So... Uh, do you guys have any random awards that you want to throw out before we move on to listener questions? I still think the moment of the year was Toronto losing to their own Zamboni driver. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like Andre Svechnikov scoring two lacrosse goals should at least be mentioned at some point in any end of the year podcast. I don't know. I don't really know where those came from or what the, 
the purpose was, but all of a sudden he can do something that most NHL players don't even try to do. Do you think now, I'm curious how you feel about the uh, Penguins-Canadians matchup. Uh, We went in the space of about a half an hour from the Penguins being afraid of Carey Price to them maybe using this whole uh, false narrative as motivation. How are you feeling, Luke? I I actually really liked this Penguins team this year. Uh, and, and now these are not normal circumstances, so who knows with any of these teams. If they were playing Montreal in the second round, I think they would win in four or five. Uh, but it goes back to my earlier point. I think we're going to see goaltending take over a couple of these series early, and Carey Price is capable of doing it. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's so much better than Montreal that who knows? But uh, there are other teams I'd rather have them play, let's put it that way. I mean, I, I, I guess... I have zero fear of Montreal. I mean, look, I know the Penguins have their own demons because they, they like their choke artists at times, as good as they are. But, I mean, Carey Price has, had, has been just okay for the last three years, um, if you combine them. Like, he was pretty he was better two seasons ago than he was this year, but, like, whatever. Like, Montreal's clearly the worst team in the playoffs. There's, there's no team I would rather play in the postseason than Montreal. I, I guess, yeah, I guess a better way to put it is maybe just, because I'm looking through the whole bracket right now, there's... If I if I'm the Penguins and I'm worried at all about Montreal, it is more a byproduct of everybody playing in this this playing round should be worried about their opponent because the field is so level right now. And so, if I'm Pittsburgh and, and I'm worried, it's more going to be because if you you know if you lose to Montreal, people are going to act like this was the first round of the normal playoffs. You just played game 82 four days ago and you choked against Montreal. I don't think it's possible for anybody to choke in this year's playoffs. I think anybody that, that loses in the first or second round. That's yeah. just that's sort of what what it, Tampa yeah. Tampa could if Tampa gets swept in the first Tampa gets round, swept out yeah um, that'll get noticed that'll that get be, noticed that would that would be something but as far as these playing rounds any team that loses I think you have to have some leniency on them because they haven't played in three and a half months <clears throat> yeah but so neither, it, I don't know about that I mean I, I you have to have some level of leniency but the Penguins are a significantly better team like if the Penguins lose to the Canadians, they don't, they don't get like a, a pat on the back. I'm like, oh, well, at least you tried. I don't know. I think you just kind of get forgotten in, in the, the mess of this year. If it's best of seven, I'll lean a little bit more towards what Jamie's saying. But if it's best of five and it takes you two games to get going and, and it doesn't take price two games and you're all of a sudden down 0-2, we're going to see this in one of these series, whether it's that one or a different and one. And look, price can get hot, but name one thing the Canadians do better than Pittsburgh. Name one. Exactly. So, like, the, I, I don't want to make great it. hot dogs. Poutine. <laughs> that's about it I think we've so, named <laughs> if the Blackhawks win their first round series does Stan Bowen have this franchise moving in the right direction well then he would be GM of the year and I'd have to redo my vote that's true. yeah yeah yeah, that's change, true. yeah change it up yeah. Yeah. boy how great would it have been if that was if that was Bowman versus Chiarelli yeah, all we could ever ask for Peter, Peter Chiarelli rumored to be heading to Arizona also, by the way, I no, not happening. Can I say that on the air? No, not happening. Rumored to I be do. moving here to do what? Well, he actually, I think he has a place here already, so it's very convenient. He wouldn't have to move. But do you think he listens to the podcast? That'd be nice. Uh, Probably well, not. Probably one not thing I am interested the last in. Several. <laughs> only to circle back to this point before we get to listener questions. I guess the only reason this is going way back to the beginning, but the only reason not to call the play-in game the postseason is if you're trying to preserve historical playoff statistics that could be the only that's the only positive i can think because it's like if otherwise if this all counts as the postseason you're, you're going to see a lot of these all-time leaderboards for a single single playoff run just be overrun by players this year who could play up to seven games more than any other players ever played 
Okay, well, wait, let's go down that path. It, it, are they going to count these play-in-round stats when they're naming the Conn Smythe Trophy winner? don't know. They, they would that, have that, to, That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. Like, oh, we're talking about the Conn Smythe race, but, uh, you know, do they count or do they count? I mean, even if you count it for the Conn Smythe, do you count these in historical records? Because all of a sudden, you're going to just have a flooded, a uh, you know, whole flooded group of single, single playoff run points getters, especially from these first-round guys. Before we hit uh, before we hit listener questions, any of those sixteen teams lined up in a, in a play in spot right now? Do any of them stand out to you as like could actually win the Stanley Cup? You mean the lower seats? Well, just any, any of them. Once, it, once that winter got in, I mean, I, I guess mean, Toronto. Yeah, again, if if you if you ascribe to the belief that wide open teams are going to have an advantage early on, yeah, maybe Toronto can get on a roll with all the talent they have. Huh. Toronto Columbus would be fun. I just wanted to make the point though, when you guys are talking about playoff records, remember we had three round playoffs for a long time. So all those got wiped out by four round playoff. Sure. So, I mean, where does it end? It is what it is. If you want to have different categories for, you know, the three round format versus the four round versus the five round, go ahead and do that. But we've, we've had this issue in the past where they, yeah. the playoffs have expanded. I guess it's it just, it's almost different just because it feels like you're not completely changing the playoffs going forward. You're just doing this one time. But yeah, I mean, to, to, to Luke's point, I mean, look, Toronto certainly has the talent, um, you know, I, but and they also might have the advantage of potentially being a host city, which I think is, I mean, that's the one rare tangible advantage that we can at least semi quantify that other teams won't have. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of teams that I mean, pit, I, I know you're petr- you know you're petrified of them, but the, the Penguins have the talent to to compete this year too. Um, I just, to me, I think they're mostly, I think at the Eastern teams, I look, I look at the Western teams and I don't think I would pick any of those eight teams um, to get through. I think the top three in the West, one of those three are going to get in, in in St. Louis, Colorado or Las Vegas. I think one of those teams are going to win the cup. I don't really see it, but in the East, I think it's way more open. Yeah, maybe we should reset this because it's been so long. But I mean, the the, the storyline that was developing over the course of the season is the Western Conference playoffs were going to be good because so many of these teams are just kind of even outside of maybe Vegas, St. Louis, and Colorado. But it really, at times, felt like the four or five best teams in the NHL this season were all in the East. So it'll be interesting to see if this does play out, how many of those four or five teams, whether that's what Boston, Tampa, Washington, Toronto, Pittsburgh, and now Philadelphia... I mean, are, are the four, are the final four teams in the Eastern Conference, are they going to be some combination of those six teams? Or is a team like Florida or the Rangers, I mean, going to sneak in there and mess somebody up? I guess Tampa Bay is the most susceptible because we've all seen them play in the playoffs before. Well, some of it will also depend on reseeding and, you know, what the path could be because things could get interesting. Like if, you know, Florida's path to the Eastern Conference final theoretically could be the Islanders and Philadelphia. I'm not saying that's easy, but that's a much easier path than you know, let's say having to go through, uh, you know, uh, a Boston or a Tampa Bay or a Washington in the next round or what some of the other teams in the West have to do. So it, it how they end up reseeding and how, I guess the, the weird thing is, is we don't even know how, what the top four seeds are going to look like. Like how, yeah. how exactly is the playing going to look like? Is it going to be based on the regular season points? Is it going to be a true, like once we have a better idea of that, we can probably talk a little bit more about it, but I mean, I just want Toronto to have to play Boston in the second round again somehow. That's all I want. <laughs> well, that's the thing. We, we finally we actually are going to have a playoff where it's not just the same first round matchups that it always is. Yeah. Sorry, Craig. What were you going to say? No, I was just I was 
pulling up the standings now just to see at what, what the chances are of, of teams moving up in a round-robin format because Boston has an eight-point lead. Nobody can catch them, right? Aren't they guaranteed to be the number one seed? But then, then you look what's, what's behind that, and then it's a really tight race. And, and in the West, um, I guess St. Louis and Colorado could flip positions, but there, there's some things I, that look a little more cemented than others, right? Yeah, there are, but it's tough to tell. Like, we don't know if they're going to reseed, you know. So is, is the is the number one seed definitely going to be playing the worst team or are right. they just going to be bracketed to play, you know, whatever, the 8-9 matchup? Right. Yet another variable. Yeah. Let's, um, let's get into these listener questions. And we were talking off the air. This is a genuine, legitimate thing about how much we appreciate the listeners and just how crazy most of you are and, and crazy in a good way, following us down all these, uh, these, these random bits. I don't even want to say comedy bits, but just random bits. Uh, and Jamie, I thought actually said it pretty well. The, the listeners have, have, have really brought their a game all season long. Yeah. Buying into all our bits. I, I think that's, I said before the show, it's like that the most rewarding thing I think of this podcast the last year and a half or so uh, is everybody kind of buying in to our bits off, uh, off the podcast, you know, on Twitter in the questions uh, in our mentions at times uh, that that's actually been for me, at least the most enjoyable part of doing this podcast the last year and a half. And I'm with amazed, that in mind, oh, I'm go ahead. amazed at how much they remember, to be honest, they remember more <laughs> than I do from our past. <laughs> That's, it's not always a good thing. Uh, with that in mind, I would like to ask you to rate and review the show now that we've all talked you up. Um, question number one is for Craig Morgan. And it comes from Mike, Mike Langford. Craig, what inspired you to write God, Family, and Country? Oh. Uh, well, I think it's self-explanatory, isn't it, really? I mean, what, all in the title. What are the three things that are most important to all of us? God, Family, and Country, of course. Oh, there you go. I was inspired. I was inspired by... Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I can't take credit for this. I have to say, I am dying to uh, stop being mistaken for the country music singer. I, I would like that to happen at some point soon, but I've stopped trying to point it out to people because there's so many tweets coming at me that it's impossible. Well, it's not going to happen. I even tried to reach out to Craig Morgan for an interview, but his handlers didn't get back to me. So, <laughs> Big time view. I just it, love it, the idea of him getting Martin Hansel questions over the last few years. Right. Uh, Kyle. What skill set or position does well after a long layoff? Should we expect defense goaltending to dominate or will scoring dominate then both regress to the mean when the NHL resumes play? Well, we talked about this a little bit. Maybe wide open play is an advantage early on in the playoffs because, you know, if you you don't have to play with structure and you don't have to tweak that structure, you might be better off as a team. I am really curious what this layoff does to goaltending. I I don't even know what to predict on that front. I think speed offensive skill. I think that yeah. that's the, the big, bigger advantage in it normally would be in this scenario. But the other X factor is, is which players have been better than others at staying in shape in this time? What have they been yep. doing? That, that's just something that uh, I'm sure they know, but we don't actually know right now. Yeah. I just don't think you can be like a middle of the pack, nondescript team. I, I think early in this, in this tournament, we're going to see, like you guys said, skill and speed or really good goaltending win. Like a team like Minnesota that's just kind of there and gets by as a team, I think they're susceptible to losing early. I think when we get to the the conference finals and the Stanley Cup, the best teams that are left at that point, the best of those teams I think will ultimately win. But I think these these the play-in round and the first round, you're going to see a goalie take over one or two series, and then you are going to see a team like Toronto or whoever that can just boat race teams off the ice. That's I think it's going to be a combination of those things. And Edmonton, Chicago, there won't be any goaltending. So that's <laughs> just throw everything out the window in that one. Uh, Carl, 
How many of the teams with buys in the 2014 format will go out quickly? The buy seems much more detrimental in a situation like this with a long layoff compared to a buy in a normal situation like the NFL playoffs. Craig, I know you said they're going to be playing that round robin there to, to kind of to get going, but it does sort of even things out, doesn't it? Craig? I think we lost Craig there for a second. Craig's gone. He's probably writing another song about God, family, and country. Probably. All right, I'm back. Sorry. We had some Zoom issues there. It literally quit on me. Oh, you missed the highlight of this podcast. The first 250 episodes, it was probably the best moment, but I can't describe it to you because we have to move forward. Okay, let's just move on. Okay. <laughs> Jamie, do you want to answer Carl's question? Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's probably the best way to, to put this. I, I don't know uh, because this is obviously uh, an unprecedented situation. Obviously, we've seen a lot of times where teams, let's say, coming off a sweep, uh, sometimes look very sluggish in the early rounds, but does that going to play out throughout a seven game series? Uh, is the, are these round Robin games going yeah. to be enough? Uh, I don't know to me. I, I my only, I, I think the only, especially with no home ice image, I, I don't know because it, we're playing a bunch of neutral site games with teams playing semi meaningful games. But like we just talked about with Boston, like, are they playing any meaningful games? Like leading up to yeah. this, yeah, do those I, I teams think, suffer play- injuries in the play-in games? Like, I mean, I think that's just the. I, I mean, it, it, to me, are, are these round robin games going to look like the playoff games, or are they going to look like the NBA All Star game? It's a good question. Like for a team like Boston, is there anything to play for other than just tuning up? That that's a fair question. But I I do think that having the round robin games will somewhat mitigate the impact of a buy of just sitting around waiting to play a team. I guess I look at it a little bit differently when you're talking about those eight teams that would get the first round by. I actually think this is the sort of year that could really, we could see Tampa go far because there's going to be a little bit less pressure just with everything else that's going on. There, there's not going to be fans at these games. Uh, they could probably convince themselves this is the start of the regular season, which is when they typically take off because they just had three months off. It's not like they're coming off the regular season and, and they know it's the playoffs and they're going to fall apart. A team that I think could be susceptible to sort of I don't even want to say susceptible because I, I, I do like Alain Vigneault and I, I do like the, the construction of the Flyers roster, but a team that was red hot going into all this is Philadelphia more than anybody. And so if nothing else, their momentum's gone. So are they really a top four team in the Eastern Conference or are they just a really good team in the Eastern Conference? I tend to think they're more of like the sixth best team in the East, but they got hot at what would normally be the right time. And then unfortunately got cut off for three months. So that's actually a team I want to see how they respond almost more than any of these other teams. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's, again, that's, that's what, what does the layoff do to all these teams? I don't know. I don't know. We could have teams that we don't expect to do anything come out hot. That happens a lot early in a season, right? Where you see, uh, I talked about this earlier, but we could have an entirely unexpected team get hot early on. I don't know if they can sustain it for five rounds, but maybe a team wins two rounds. Uh, Okay. Dangle snipe belly. Uh Uh-oh. Hi. Multi-part question? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Long-time listener and content content generator, eventual first-time appreciator of Jamie. Well, we're all there. Eventual. Uh, Best dark horse in a 24-team format. I think we all said Florida, didn't we? Yeah, Florida. I like Florida a lot. Best hockey player for uh, the Last Dance-type docuseries. Sidney Crosby. No. No. Oh, you don't think... Oh, I'd, I'd love to hear about that journey, that the injury journey and all that other stuff we're talking about. Uh, you, I know he might not be the most, I, I, I don't know, like, I know he's not I'm the most about. personality wise, but yeah. I think that from an intrigue standpoint of him, that, that window, 
at the peak of his career, missing all of that time and coming back and getting hurt again. And later finding out that he had a, a broken neck. And that the, I mean, I think that picture would be extremely fascinating to me, even if I know he's not the, the big personality. I'd yeah. watch. Of course you would. Of course you would. I would like to see a little more personality. So I, I, I would combine those two things. I'd, I'd need high level player, of course, but uh, yeah, a little more interesting in interviews. I'm not going to go with the Homer answer and say Sidney Crosby. So I'll say Mario Lemieux. Mm. I actually, though, in all honesty, with the 30 for 30s that ESPN has done, and they've done a great job with them to the point where, like, I'll watch a 30 for 30 on a topic I don't even really care about because they do such a good job that I get pulled into it. And I understand the last dance wasn't a 30 for 30 thing, but along the same lines. Yeah. Um, I just feel like, and I say this as, as, a, as somebody that has followed the Penguins my whole life, we don't really know that much about Lemieux because he just doesn't talk that much. And no, the fact, he doesn't. The fact that he you know, missed a good chunk of what – it was the 92-93 season, wasn't it? With Basically with cancer and still had 160 points and won the scoring title. I'm surprised there is not a, a special on that that you can watch that isn't just like a local program in Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah, and that part of the problem is the fact that Mario just does not do media interviews. It's, it's yeah. a shame. You know what, a guy, and, and he's, I mean, he was obviously 1A on that team, but Mark Messier had a remarkable career, and he's an interesting guy to talk to. I'd, I'd love to get some insight from him. Yeah, yeah. But honestly, with the way they, they did the last dance, I would watch it on pretty much any player except yeah. Tom Wilson. And, and maybe from a, maybe from a, well, speaking of Tom Wilson, maybe from a more like entertaining standpoint, I mean, you know, Alex Ovechkin. I think oh, would God, be, that, that would, would be, be fantastic from a personality standpoint. That might be the be, best choice actually from talent, personality standpoint, um, the way he came into the league. I mean, all, all that kind of stuff is, is, you know, his sitting out the all-star game talking about the Olympics. I mean, I mean, you can play that up. Uh, so all, all that stuff I think would be very interesting. Nobody mentioned Gretzky. I mean, is it, cause that's I mean, who they I mean, would go with. Been, but things have been done. On, I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. there's a lot has been done on Gretzky. Ugh, I don't know if I like this next question from Dangle Snipe Belly. Stuck on a deserted island with one of your fellow hosts, no shirts allowed. Who are you picking? I know what I'm doing. I'm swimming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm probably crafting a lifeboat yeah. out of a, out of a palm tree because I know I'd get stuck there with Jamie, and then I would be <laughs> just really angry at Dangle Snipe Belly for putting me in this hypothetical situation. Um, Los Coyote Steve. As Keller physically matures, do you believe that Arizona will try him again as a center? I mean, I think it's possible, but I don't think he has sort of the defensive tools to be a center. I don't think he's a natural fit there. I think he's better on the wing. Not a chance. Uh, yeah, I think you just get him on the wing. Uh, I, I, I would like him to play 82 full games as a winger. Uh, exactly. Before, I'd you, like before him you move to, into yeah. a tougher position. Amen. I'd like to see him be an impact player, which he is not yet. And uh, you just so much more responsibility as a center. Like that, yes. that's, that's been the biggest knock on him is that he's not defensively responsible. So yeah. I, it, would take, it would take a lot. Joe's question is sort of, it's at least along the same lines. Are the Coyotes' lack of net front presence and center depth fixable problems considering the cap situation? It seems pretty easy to see nothing but problems in the future as a Coyotes fan right now. I, I think that they need to upgrade their center position still. We've been saying this for 20 years, of course. But the, the thing that's going to help them the most at center is the, the player that they're counting on being their, their top guy, Barrett Hayden. He needs to progress big time over the next couple seasons because that's, that's really the only way you're going to find that kind of player is through the draft by and large, unless, like, of course, you're dealing with Peter Shirelli. Um, 
So that that's what I would say on the center position. Net front, I think you can find that on the on the market if that's what you're looking for. I do think you can find that out there. Yeah, I agree completely. Net front presence, you can find you can find at a fairly affordable rates. Um, I'm sure that at some one point they would have liked that to be Christian Fisher, um, but I'm not sure that's going to be long term. What the answer is there, center? I don't know. Like it's it's like. <laughs> I mean, it's like when you're in desperate need of a quarterback. Sometimes you fall into one, but more often than not, it is a long, arduous journey to find that player. Maybe Barrett Hay can be that number one center for you or at least give you that elite number two uh, center. And you can maybe try to pair two number twos together and make it work with, with Schmaltz. But uh, I just – I those guys don't become available in free agency very often. Uh, and they don't become available via trade very often with Shirelli not in the league anymore, uh, or at least not in the GM spot at Edmonton anymore. And they're not going to pick high enough anytime soon. Uh, I mean, they're probably not going to have the first round pick this year. So I, I don't know where that massive upgrade comes. There is part of me that just wants to, if I were John Chica, within reason, really just pick a center in the first two rounds. That like Have that be my default every year. And look, if there's a defenseman or even if there's a winger that is light years better than the best center on the board when I'm picking, then obviously, you know, I adjust and I take the best player available at that point. But if it's anything close to a tie, I almost feel like I'm just taking a center with my first two picks for a while until we get at least what Jamie just described of of two high end number two centers. Maybe, but like their organizational depth in terms of prospects right now isn't outside of goaltending isn't anything special. Like well, I would draft trash, but I would I would try. No, to, no, no. I, but what but what I'm saying is, is you have positions of need in terms of your system because you've graduated a lot of those guys. You've traded some too, but you've graduated a lot of those guys to your main roster or are about to. Yeah. Like you don't have that next wave of middle defensemen. six, top six wingers, or really any top four, maybe even top six defensemen. Right. Uh, Other than Victor Soderstrom, you don't that's have, it. And, and you got a bunch of guys coming off the book soon. I, and defensemen take longer to develop in the system. So I think they need to address that as well. Yeah. But center, and I hear what you're saying about defense and that, I mean, yeah. maybe the better way to say it is you just don't need to draft a winger here in the, in the early rounds for the next yeah. couple of years, unless he's just amazing. But we, yeah. we've seen that there's a ceiling for this team and a lot of teams really if you can't get that true number one center or at least have two high-end number two centers. And I think at this point, and I think the organization feels this way too, with as long as they've been waiting to, to get back to the playoffs, I don't think their ultimate goal is to, hey, we are a, a playoff team that maybe can make it to the second round. And at a certain point, there is a ceiling if you don't have a, a true number one center. Completely agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and again, Barrett Hayton's got to be that guy. Maybe they try and get another guy, but... There are going to be some other concerns. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I read a, a story about uh, their situation right now and how at, John Chai has actually done a poor job recently of managing things. And you can look at some of the moves, the Clayton Keller moves, and now they're in cap hell. But when you, when you look at what's down the road, they're actually only in cap hell for one more season. And then they have a lot of flexibility coming after that. So assuming he, he survives this next season, uh, which I think he will because he just signed an extension, um, it's going to be really interesting to see what he does beyond. Um, after after next season plays out. But again, a lot of the moves that he's made recently are going to define his tenure, and we better see some major progress from guys like Clayton Keller. Well, and, yeah. and underscore the, the center position stuff that we just talked about. If we yeah. look at the teams that are going to be in the round robin and then the few teams that we picked out as potential cup contenders, who's the worst number one center? William Carlson? Like, I mean, as we talked about those, yeah. those four teams, you got, you know, what, you know, Bergeron and you've got, you know, Stamkos Point, you've, you know, Backstrom, O'Reilly talked about, Austin Matthews. I mean, we're talking about all these teams here, McKinnon, uh, you know, Sagan, Giroux. 
We talked about Florida with Barkov. Uh, we talked about Pittsburgh, who's got two, that two. Um, you know, Edmonton. you know Edmonton, who's got two. Like, and those are all teams that we we just talked about, like as being our picks for most likely to go to the cup, including in those eight teams that are going to get the buy. That's William Carlson's the worst center of that group. It's, uh, you know, as, as far as what Chica has done, it's hard for me to, to, it's hard for me to criticize it in this sense. I like that he clearly had a plan and has stuck to it. And, and you know, that plan was if we're going to draft our players and be aware of the market you're in, you're not, you, you aren't New York or Toronto or whatever, they invested high picks in these guys, even Schmaltz. I mean, because you traded Dylan Strom for him. Guys like Schmaltz and Keller and and Dvorak and uh, and Jacob Chikrin. So we're going to commit to keeping our high picks for the long run. And you're not going to hit on all those. The problem they have right now is the one they're most likely to not hit on is Keller for what you're asking him to do, and he's the one you're paying him the most. But if Keller does turn it around, you know, they're then they're in a really good spot. If Keller turns it around and Hayden is the player that they yes. would like him to be, then yes. I mean, again, this very much again, it, it's not impossible, but the, and make the crossport reference again. This very much feels like a, uh, they're they're heading towards a situation where they've got a lot of pieces except the quarterback. And yes, yeah. every once in a while, every once every ten or fifteen years, a team can break through with that. But you need you basically have no margin for error anywhere else on your roster, and, and that's kind of the situation they're in, at least until we see Barrett Hayton hit his full potential, or or there's some you know they hit on some miracle pick that you know they take late in the first round that turns into a or mid to late first round that turns into a Matthew Barzal or somebody like that. But uh, I mean, otherwise there's going to be a cap. It just it's it's how this league has been played, um, and, and you can make up for a lot of it with great goaltending and great team defense and all that other stuff, but you're going to have an uphill battle versus any of these teams that have one or two of those guys. Uh, James writes in, what side is best for a burger? If it's fries, what style? Waffle, curly, string, etc." I wonder what et cetera is. Uh, uh, well, I mean, sweet potato fries, I'm a big fan of. So Yeah, as am I. Uh, awful. Yeah. Okay. Good oh, sweet potato fries, yeah. They have to be done perfectly just to be on the same level as regular fries. So you guys are both wrong. No. But are fries the best side? Because there are times, I'll admit, I'll get crazy and go onion ring. I don't eat onion rings. Onion rings are okay. Uh, I like them more as a standalone appetizer than as a side. I will say this. Of, of all of us on the show, the only one I ever remember eating Burger King right before a show was Craig. Oh, here so it is. Okay. Maybe, right before. How about on the show? It was That's, like four years ago. Yeah, it was. It was we, we were in the fan rag studios, actually. It might those have been longer than hard, four years ago. Those hard red couches that were not comfortable for anybody. <laughs> Uh, Joseph, why should the Habs be in the playoffs? It's a travesty based on points. I kind of feel like we talked about this. If there's one team that you could say, eh, not comfortable with, that's probably Montreal. But again, 500 points percentage. You got to have 12 teams from either conference. Whatever. Get over it. <laughs> They're in. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, Luke's Penguins take care of that very quickly. Let's, as long as they don't have Yaroslav Halak in that, I, I like the Penguins' chances against the Canadians. Let's, uh, let's put these two questions together, Coach East Jack and Booper. From Coach East Jack, are you nervous about Nashville? They'll be looking for revenge after we lambasted them in 2012. And then Booper says, what are the chances the Coyotes make a deep run? I don't know how you many know, guys are still on that roster from either Yeah, there's a handful. <laughs> no, nobody's thinking about 2012 anymore. Nashville's been in the playoffs, what, like five times since? They went to the cup final. I don't think they're thinking yeah. about, darn those Coyotes in 2012. They've ruined our future. <laughs> So, no, yeah, I, don't I don't think that plays like, into Steve, it at all. David Legwan coming back looking for revenge. Um, as long as they don't have Kostitz and Radulov, they should be okay at least. Or maybe <laughs> they do. I don't know. Are, are there going to be nightclubs at this this neutral site? Um, 
this is where this is where it's a shame that there are no fans, right? Because imagine yeah. how they could play off that, like enticing, no. enticing the Predators to go out in Scottsdale, offering them free Uber rides, things like that. I don't know. Oh, it'd be great. It'd be great. Um, Serious play on the Coyotes. Deep run for the Coyotes. I mean, again, what what do this what do the seeds look like? Uh, who are they getting in the second round if they beat Nashville? Do I think they could beat the Predators? Absolutely. I think they could take them out, but I don't I don't know what the hockey's going to look like. I don't know who they're going to be facing. So it's it's just so hard to predict that. I will say this: the way the, the the way the bracket is set up, if they go with this exact format and seating and everything, the two teams in the West, Edmonton and Calgary, worry me the most from a Coyotes perspective, and they're on the other side of the bracket. Now, obviously, a team like St. Louis just won the Cup, and they're a borderline great team. I mean, those any of those top teams are going to be really tough, and the Coyotes always have a hard time with Dallas, but they certainly fit the requirement, probably more so than a team like Montreal of a team that could go on a run because of their goaltending. Now, yeah. what do you consider a deep yeah. run? I mean, are you talking, yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to run in this, They're probably going to run win. in St. Louis in round two. Uh, so that's not going to, I mean, let, let, yeah. I, I mean, I, I love what they could get from healthy goaltending with Kemper being healthy, but they're, I can't make a compelling argument. They're going to beat St. Louis in a seven game series, which is going to be likely assuming that the, the Blackhawks don't beat the Oilers. That's a, that's going to be their likely uh-huh. first round opponent. Uh, see, and then we could have, yeah, it would be cool if we could have Blackhawks uh, against the Coyotes again. But that, they, guys, they might remember that would be the Western Conference final. I think that's yeah. the only way that could happen. Yeah, yeah. but I, I was going to go back to something that Luke said. I, I'm not so worried about Edmonton. Actually, I think the Coyotes matchup. Obviously, they have two world class players. But you remember the last game Edmonton played at Gila River Arena? Connor McDavid said it felt like there were seven Coyotes on the ice. They do a good job against him defensively. And let's not forget, Brad Richardson's going to be healthy. He was not healthy the last time they played, as we found out, had a double core surgery and. He's feeling good. He'll be ready to go. He's a, he's kind of a thorn in, in McDavid's side. So I, I, I'm not as worried about that matchup as I would say I am about Calgary, who the, the Coyotes never seem to beat. Can you imagine the narrative out of uh, Edmonton media if the Coyotes took the Oilers out in this year where it's clearly, you know, it's Edmonton is entitled to the next eight Stanley Cups if the Coyotes of all teams took them out? Um, hey, back for 2015. Yeah. It just you know, to be clear too, the way they have this set up right now, if they don't reseed, the Coyotes would probably play Vegas in the second round. Which I like their chances against Vegas well, better than yeah, St. If they Louis. Don't recede. Yeah, if they don't recede, but I think but if they recede. do, yeah, yeah, they got to well, recede. I, I would, I would hope so. Even though that wouldn't be great for a team like Arizona, uh, Greg. How is Luke keeping the Ducks and Penguins safe during the pandemic? Never you mind. I'd like to answer and, this for Luke. Okay. Luke has never focused on keeping the Ducks safe. Yeah, but now look, in, in, in these uncertain times, gentlemen, they know how to fend for themselves, and that's huge. And uh, way too early question of what percent chance do you give the Coyotes of re-signing Taylor Hall? I don't know if it's way too early, but uh, I don't have an answer for you. I don't either. I'm going to say, well, see, now maybe it is way too early because if they're going to yeah. be in the playoffs, I've all along thought that the playoffs change everything. So, I what mean, if they win around with him, does he get that, excited about it? I, I don't know. I mean, there's just too many variables right now. I think I, I'll go down this path. If the Coyotes, if they go with this format and the Coyotes win around, I know he said he's not going to, he doesn't want to resign somewhere for one year. But with everything that's going on and the fact there might not be as much money for free agents, I think that becomes at least more palatable for him. Assuming, again, that the, like if the Cowboys go out there and they play Nashville and they get swept, I don't think he's coming back. I uh, want to point out that uh, there's, there's a lot 
that has been written about Taylor Hall in the last several, probably the past week. There have been a, several stories on him. Rick Tockett talked about what he thought the chances were. I caught up with his agent yesterday. And just to remind people, because so much is still up in the air, Darren Ferris, Taylor Hall's agent, said literally nothing has changed since the pause started. There's, there is no change in negotiations or anything else. It's all in a whole league pattern. So any uh, sort of waves of emotion you feel about this is going to happen or this isn't going to happen, just throw it all out. Okay, stop. Stop. Nothing's changed. Um, Tyler, if you could pit the 2012 Coyotes against this current season team, both warmed up and not hurt, there's a typo in there. Who would win a seven-game series, basically, in the playoffs between the 2012 Coyotes and this year's Coyotes team? Uh, I would take the 2012 team. Me too. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I, I, we've seen way, them win. Yeah, we, we've seen them win the cohesion with that team. Like, look, the Coyotes have more raw talent right now, but they were very up and down this year. Uh, and I, again, like I said, that, that 2012 team wasn't the best tip of team. As, as I've pretty much said ad nauseum at this point, I think it was the 2010 team, but... Be fair, uh, everything was, you've said is ad nauseum. That's true. I, I do repeat myself a lot, but it's my gimmick. But uh, uh, but I would take the the 2012 team. I just think nausea when you. Speak. Yeah, that's. I was really focused uh, so on the nausea. A lot of people do. <laughs> All right, moving on. I think Darcy Kemper is a better goalie than Mike Smith, but Mike Smith and no way he can be hotter than Smith was in that, yeah, that I mean, season. Yeah, that's 2012. Mike Smith. Do you guys think though that that 2012 team? I mean, it's it's. It's only been eight years or it's been eight long years, however you want to look at it. Does that style still work in 2020? No. So that can work. No. The only thing that does work, if you stop every shot that you ever face, there's <laughs> right, a that. really good chance. Because they were getting outshot badly in most of those games. It was yeah. ridiculous. The Chicago series was absurd. And I, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I, I, I did this uh, playoffs here, uh, recap of uh, 2012 and talked to a ton of people. But I talked to Daryl Sutter. He was literally the last interview. And he said something to me I've never heard someone say before. He said, we won the cup because Mike Smith beat the Blackhawks. They were the best team. I was like, wow. Okay. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. It was a a quote from Daryl. He was a great interview anyway, but that was pretty startling for me to hear that. And and just to to re-clarify in case people didn't read your story, what did he call the Dustin Brown hit on Michael Roosevelt? Oh, it was a a playoff hit. (laughs) He thought it was clean. Okay. Of course he did. I mean, I guess he has to. Uh, the real Yotes fan. So with an expanded roster, any chance Burke would crack the lineup, you think? I think offensively he has earned time over some others that I will not name. Oh, well, I, I, I think he's on the short list of the black aces. In fact, of the guys that get called up, I, I'd, I'd bet money that Braden Burke would be one of those guys that, that gets to uh, fill the expanded roster. Whether he'd play, uh, that would depend on the health of the rest of the guys. I don't think he's going to supplant somebody that they have right now on the roster. Otherwise, he probably would have done it already. Uh, he also asked, when will we know the dates? I'd like to get some reservations in Old Town Scottsdale asking for a friend. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully next week. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Uh, Los Coyotes, Steve, curious if a play-in game qualifies for the Hall trade condition or if Arizona has to win a playoff game for that condition to matter. A question to add to your long list once we get clarity on the path forward. Undetermined. Still yeah. negotiation. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's Chris Signs. I believe... Is Chris Sines the guy who designed our logo too? Yes, he is. Yes, he we is. Need to give him a, we should have given him a shout out uh, earlier than four and a half hours into this episode of the show. Yeah, I don't know how we're already almost, we're approaching 90 minutes already on the show <laughs> with nothing happening. If you're trying to make a Zoom call right now and you can't, it's because we're recording this show. Um, so absolutely just all the respect in the world to Chris for, for designing the logo and the shirt, actually. 
his question really cool shirts really cool shirts yeah seriously no we're not just saying this because you designed them they're actually like really nice um would you rather get shot from the t-shirt cannon from five feet away or run all the stairs at gila river arena twice nonstop? t-shirt cannon yeah how much could a t-shirt hurt how much could a t-shirt hurt from five feet away five feet away though I mean, it's not ideal, but that's that's momentary pain versus whatever running, like doing stadiums for basically a giant hour. cotton ball, right? I'd, I'd rather run. The stairs. I, I mean, I, I guess I'll take my chances. Again, um, Dustin, follow up question. I like this. I like our listeners just piggybacking their questions on top of each other. If one of you has to run stairs, one has to shoot, and one has to get hit with the cannon, why is Jamie Eisner the obvious choice for T-shirt cannon fodder? I feel like you've answered your own question, Dustin. <laughs> yeah, you all know. We know. Somebody named Jamie responded, but I have Jamie blocked, so I couldn't see his response. Hmm. Um, and Seth said they, he figured that we would have found a way to stuff Jamie in the cannon. Josh Perlman, what sort of chance would you give a healthy Coyotes team in the playing round? Obviously, every team will most likely be at full strength thanks to the season suspension. Darcy and Auntie would be scary duo in a short series. Um, since we've sort of answered his question, I will, I'll just sort of build off that last part. I mean, if you go into the playoffs, if you're the Coyotes, you're just going with one goalie unless you're forced to go with a second, correct? Right. Like, it's just Darcy yeah. until proven otherwise. Yep. Um, that might be it. Uh, we got one from Sarah. For this format, the Oats have the playing game against Nashville, and if they win that, who would be the ideal first-round opponent? Dallas. Uh, I don't know <laughs> about that. Play Dallas, no. The, the yeah. Coyotes don't play well against Dallas. I know they don't, but, like, that's the – the least talented team of the bunch. No, I don't want Dallas. I think, I, I, I think the other team, I, I mean, uh, who's Vegas? Cause I, I think St. Louis and Colorado run, run them off the ice. Well, you love Colorado. I, I, I don't, it's not so much. I love Colorado. It's that like who on the, if Colorado gets three goals, what are the Coyotes going to do? I just wanted to say you love Colorado. Cause you've come <laughs> a long way this year. Yeah. Uh, I guess if we're just talking the top four teams, then I'd probably go with Vegas. Yeah, which is funny. I, I guess I would, too. I mean, if I'm doing this as almost any other team in the Western Conference, I'm with Jamie. I want Dallas because I don't think Dallas is that good. But the Coyotes just don't beat them. I'd almost rather St. Louis for the Coyotes than Dallas because they at least have shown they can play a good game against St. Louis. Uh, here's my one thing with Dallas, and this is, the, and I, this is the unknown of they've very much limited Bishop's workload the last couple of years. When you start now, you're going to come back. And I assume they're not going to be switching goaltenders. So if he starts playing a bunch of games in a bunch of nights, does he continue to put up those huge numbers that he's been doing? Because he's been, I get when you're playing 48 games a season and all of a sudden you might have to play seven and 14. Does that have any effect on his numbers? It might, but doesn't that hurt him in the second or third round? More so than it would hurt him more round. later on, but yeah. I'm assuming he's going to play some of those playing games too. But I don't I, I, I don't know. It I'd might rather- not. I'd rather Vegas, and, and, and Vegas is my pick to come out of the West, or at least it was 400 months ago when we did our preseason predictions. But as far as the Coyotes, that's probably their best chance in the second round. So I guess if you're a Coyotes fan, what we're saying is you don't want them to reseed after the play-in round because then the Coyotes would play Vegas uh, in the second round. Hmm. All right, gentlemen, we've almost hit the two-hour mark. Anything else to say before we wrap up here? Uh, Christian Beardnett had asked if there was an update on what led to Aaron Cohen ways with the Coyotes and what is Alex Morello looking for in a new president and CEO? Um, I did, I think this was sort of predictable. A new owner comes in, he wants his own guys, particularly on the business side, which is what Alex knows. He's not a hockey guy, so it's probably going to take him a little longer to understand all of that. But I kind of expected changes after the first year. Um, I think he's probably going to look for someone with, well, I, I know he's, he's probably going to choose someone from 
his own background, somebody he's worked with in the past, a, a, a close confidant and a guy with a more extensive uh, business background. Uh, I don't know when that announcement's coming. I would assume it's coming fairly soon, but I don't think there's much going on here. I think Alex already knows who he wants in place. Well, I would say this is fun because we actually got to talk about potential real hockey on the ice. It's the first time we've got to do that in like two and a half months. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Jamie in person in three months. Yeah, because I wasn't even coming to some of those games late in the year. So well, it's been a last, while. The last couple episodes we did in the studio, it was just me and Craig, including that one we did at like 9 o'clock at night on the yeah. night in sports history. And Craig brought hand sanitizer and pizza. Yeah, I think it was early February the last time. Wow. Wow. Yeah, early February. Hopefully soon, gentlemen. Hopefully. Yep. All right, guys. This was fun. We will do. We'll probably do another one here soon once we know what's actually going to happen with the playoffs officially, right? I would like to, yeah. Okay, cool. And none of us are... <laughs> we can't make any excuse. not like there's anything else going on. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to Craig Morgan. Thanks to Jamie Eisner. Thanks to you for listening. I'm Luke Lipinski. This has been the Natural Hattrick Podcast.